find an improv class for five or six weeks and take that class. And it's almost guaranteed after, after you get past that fear of the first class, go, oh, there's something, there's something here. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Lead.exe. I'm Brian Comerford. I'm Nick Lozano. And I'm John Abbott. And we are hacking the leadership code today with our special guests, Peter Margaritas and Roxanne Kaufman Elliott. Welcome back to the program. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, guys. Wonderful to be here. Wonderful to see you. Yeah. Well, we've got uh, a couple of esteemed authors in our midst here because uh, not only has Roxanne written a book, Never Wear Red, but uh, we've also got Peter uh, doing the rounds with his latest book, Off Script, Mastering the Art of Business Improv. So, uh, you know, and and being that um, we've had many conversations and we tend to step all over each other, I think we're already highly attuned to the the ways of improv so it's going to be interesting to see how this conversation goes having added a new member with john joining us for the first time with uh uh with with our esteemed guests here <laughs> and, and hopefully not his last please oh yeah yeah <laughs> counting on it not being <laughs> you never know with this group you never that's know. true <laughs> well you know, I'd like to kick it off just asking you a little bit about the inspiration behind your latest book, Peter, because you've it's not your first book. In fact, what is this? Is this your, your fourth now? No, it's it's my third. You're okay. getting ahead of me here. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I am thinking about the fourth. Uh, I'm already anticipating it. <laughs> obviously, obviously you are. Clearly. I, mean, I already know what it is, so I don't have to read it. just kidding peter it's called off off script Uh, (laughs) roxanne's just skipping ahead to the amazon review (laughs) (laughs) so So is this just a book with empty pages is that what we're publishing on amazon no that was my first book improv was my joke (laughs) and and actually actually the book is so thin that you could take the book to a restaurant and if your table wobbles you put the book underneath levels out that's nice. great i was wondering where i heard that title before i was at the local denny's the other day and i looked down and there, <laughs> there <you know>. <laughs> nice job. i like this guy that's right <laughs> i'll see myself out thank you well now, now i got to go purchase an extra copy so i've got a traveler <laughs> what was your question brian oh, you know something about this latest book and what your inspiration was behind it <laughs> so actually this this break the first book was improv is no joke and i had a lot of people said they liked it um you hear you know somebody said but you need to put a little bit more of a business twist on it then another person said the same thing and then my brother-in-law clyde said love the book put a business twist on it so I listened to Clyde, and but it took me five years to get it published because I was spending that time curating articles, YouTube videos, movies, other books to ensure that my thought process with everything as it relates to improv as a leadership tool was validated. So that was the preface of, of taking the first book and, and putting it in a 
putting it on steroids. It went from 125 pages, the first book, to I don't know how I did 315. Wow. And there's there almost words on every page. <laughs> you must have been working with equal parts coffee and maker's mark. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Our players in the Writers Guild in Petersburg. So if you, if you ever see me with a cup of coffee or a, co a coffee cup and I'm blowing on it, it might be coffee or it might not be like Brian right there. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad to know that it you know took five years to get it published because you were busy curating and not because the publishers were coming back and saying, no, nah, it's got to be less about business. It's got to be funnier. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And actually, I hadn't planned on writing it yet. Um, and then August of 2020, I ran out of my to-do list. And with the pandemic, I didn't want to, you know, I decided to go ahead and write this next book. Other people were out learning how to cook pizzas and make bread and, you know, do puzzles and learn how to paint. I figured I'd just write another book because I'm that much of a boring kind of a geek, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I was waiting for someone else to jump in with the zinger there, but it didn't happen. So. <laughs> well, it's kind of the baking bread thing that threw me off. It's like, okay. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm trying to roll them out slowly. I'm new here. You know? <laughs> Pace yourself. Babe, babe, babe. Yeah, that's right. But I, I will say that Roxanne has a piece in this book. I interviewed her on, um, as it relates to leadership and negotiation, and we got about two and a half pages out of a wonderful interview that she did for me. So, and she was part of my uh, editorial board and did a wonderful uh, endorsement for the book. So um, she's part, literally, she's part author in this book as well. Well, thanks. I don't know that I'd go quite that far. I mean, it was one thing to be on the board and to be interviewed for it, but it, it was great fun. And it's really a very, very cool book. Have you guys, well, if you're reading it or in the midst of reading it or whatever, it really is a book for the ages I mean, right now. Because it brings together the absurdity of the entire world, right? And and everything that we live every day, left brain, right brain. I mean, it's, it's all about that. It's really, really cool. I'm just glad that you didn't give away the ending, Roxanne, because I, you know, I hate spoilers when I'm right in the middle of something. I know. I'm so careful about that, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the, the, the next to the last chapter might surprise you. I'll just leave it at that. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> chapter 18. All right. Well, can we start with a, a definition of what you believe business improv to be? Because I don't think that that's a term that's widely circulated. <laughs> it, actually, it's not. And, and you see the term applied improv more than you see business improv. But to me, applied improv is too academic. And, and business improv is basically applying the foundations of improv on theater, improv comedy, applying those foundations into the business world, which starts with a foundation of respect, trust, and support. As a leader, we should have respect, we should be trusted, we should support and vice versa across. If we have no respect for the people that report to us or work with us, this whole thing falls apart. If we don't trust them, this thing falls apart. We're seeing that right now with the great resignation, as you and I have talked about in the past, Brian. That, that kind of breaks this whole triangle. But after that comes the ability to listen, to understand, not to respond, and to truly empathize with someone, all the while being present and focused. And when we do that, we can adapt to any 
change in the landscape of business in our work in our life with the key here or the glue here being two magic words yes and and yes and is about empathy yes and is about parking your ego yes and is about the team's more important than i am as the leader yes and is inclusive collaborative that's business improv and it's the opposite of 70s 80s 90s and even some leadership today or it's ego leadership. Mm -hmm. This is the opposite of that. And this book's not for everybody. A lot of people need to have an open mind when reading it if they're if they're an ego leader. Um, and I'm 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 assuming somebody's going to read it and completely disagree with it and give me a terrible review on Amazon. And I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> That's kind of what you want, right? To know yeah. that that. You get a negative review, right? That's so. When I look at reviews on Amazon, that's literally the first thing I go look for is negative reviews because I know how much of that stuff can be faked. <laughs> so right. I, I'm looking forward to seeing that that angry ranter review <laughs> on there for you. That's when we know you've made it, right? It's like that, that YouTube comment, right, where they just yeah. trash your appearance or something. You're like, I've made it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So, so, John, so John, what's your last name again? Just in case I didn't catch it the first time, and I see it on my Amazon review, trash it. Yeah, I was gonna just say my uh, my Amazon user <laughs> handle is uh, no. <laughs> Den Denny's table waddle at uh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no uh, so I actually do have a, a question um, about the the book writing process as it relates to yes and um, this is probably actually. Uh, I wasn't aware that Roxanne had been part of the, the book writing process. This is a great question kind of for both of you. Um, I work in the communications, do a bit of writing and stuff uh, for my my day job when I'm not podcasting. Um, a lot of that comes down to, um, you know, being more concise and cutting things down and making them readable and digestible um, for an audience. So how do you take a yes and improv mentality into writing or editing a book where, you know, as an editor, part of your job really is curating and cutting? Um how do you how do you match those two things up, and what was the challenge there? Uh, with the yes and approach in writing, is get it all out of your head, put it on paper, have it have someone review it, edit it for you. I, I'm not a, mm -hmm. a, a I'm not a journalist. I'm not a, I'm not trained in writing, so I know that's my limitation. So I make sure mm -hmm. that I'm supported by strong editors. And Roxanne did some initial editing with me on the book. I would send pieces out to different people, but when the publisher got a hold of it. Now, my first two books, editing, I would rather stick that arrow that Brian keeps shooting at me in my eye and pull it out my other eye. Uh -huh. This book, I took a different approach to it. And it, it was much more open to the public. It's always been open to the publisher's ideas and thoughts. And I would, yes, and these aren't words that I would use. Mm. Let's put it, I, I get what you're trying to say, but let's put it in a way that sounds more like me because the people who know me, goes, he can't even spell what you just wrote. <laughs> <laughs> and I know he can't pronounce it because he has a hard time with mannerisms. <laughs> so so it, it was just that collaborative approach of, mm -hmm. there were a few pieces that that I wanted restored back to what they were originally meant to be. Mm -hmm. And it was just a collaborative approach, but it was a very open dialogue. Mm -hmm. And with this with this publisher, this is my second time. My first one was, was a different publisher in South Carolina. The last two have been with the same publisher. And the sense of trust was built in the second book. Mm -hmm. And it kind of bled over into the third book. It was it was much more palatable 
the see that was a tough one too. <laughs> Can't spell that either. <laughs> it, it was much more palatable during this editing process, and, mm-hmm. and the, the challenge became is we got a deadline, mm-hmm. and that's one way to make an improviser or a, a, a recovering accountant focus on it and try to get try to get it done. Um, and it got kind of hairy at times, especially uh, in the last couple of weeks. But it gets to the point that I said, guys, we can't hold on this book until it's absolutely 2000% perfect because mm-hmm. we'll never get it out. And in and, and, and the last two books, there's, there's been some things we've had to go back and correct. So far, either people are buying the book and not reading it or, <laughs> or they're reading it and, and they haven't found anything. Mm-hmm. Um, Roxanne, what do you have to add to, to this crazy process? Well, that it is crazy, and especially when you're, <laughs> you're dealing with a, with a premise like yes and an improvisation. But that was also, um, the in an improv way, the anchor and the guideposts of getting the book completed in a flow. Mm-hmm. Because if you keep bringing everything back to the premise of the book, the foundation of the book, which is yes and, and business improv, then you start, that's when you can start editing and narrowing what you're talking about. The uh, two things about this that I thought were particularly brilliant, and that is the stories that Peter brought in to interject. And when he's talking about going back and saying, no, guys, that's in your voice. I need it to be in mine. In mine. That was particularly uh, true with the stories. Though, you know, we all have our own stories. We got to tell those stories in our voice with our words and in our way. So that was really cool. So that allowed us on the editorial board to sit back and say, yes, and that's all Peter's, you know, let him roll with that. So that was really the theme in editing the book in guiding and in being part of the whole experience. The other thing is um, to me, the whole premise of yes, and speaks very, very clearly to leadership, just in the way that I think about leadership. And this is a leadership book mm-hmm. that, that yes, is the left brain, it's the analytical side, it's the side that we can turn up and turn down and say, yes, we're going to go this way. The and piece is the creative, the improvising, the I don't know what's coming next, but that's the right brain that drives the and. So that was just my thought on the flow of the book. And I thought it was a strong, strong editorial team. There were good people on this board. But I I do have to... uh interject one thing here when, when we went when i picked a, selected this editorial board um my publisher kate gave strict instructions look at the flow of the book don't look at the grammatical errors that are in there because they are we'll we'll attack them later mm-hmm. i think roxanne twitched yeah. the whole time i did my head blew up <laughs> I, 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 I think jocelyn uh martin who's another one uh, who's a, who's an accountant that helped in the book a lot. I think she, that was hard. That's hard for a lot of people to do mm-hmm. is to go, but it's like, we'll fix that. Mm-hmm. Just focus on, the flow, focus on, focus on the stories and, 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 and try not to do Kate's job and go through the editing process. No, I, I'd still be sitting there editing the book. Peter, if I had, <laughs> it's like the grammar thing. It's like, whoa, man, it's so hard to get past that because mm-hmm. the word, if it's misplaced, is like giant. It's a neon sign flashing in your face. Change me, change me. 
So it was a lesson for me. I had to yes and myself through it. Yeah, okay, mm -hmm. so and go ahead, go forward, skip it, skip it, keep going. <laughs> Brilliant. So you're able to shut down your your need, your inner need for diagramming sentences. Exactly. At least for a little yeah. bit. Which I'm really good at, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really good at, I'm really good at grammar. Uh, <laughs> and text. Oh man. Yeah. Don't look at my social media posts then half the time. I don't even look at them after I write them. I'm like, yeah, people get the idea, yeah. you know, between fried and fired. I'm like, yeah, you can be fired or fried. You know, it does, it does the same thing. Same. everybody gets it's the okay. idea. Sometimes <laughs> both. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Great. Well, cool. Thanks. That was an interesting insight. That's good stuff. Yeah. You know, it's reassuring, I guess, to, to hear the definition, you know, that of business improv means something more than just winging it, right? Yeah. <laughs> winging it at all, right? Can I tell you about a conversation I just had yesterday about that, Brian? Somebody, a colleague of mine who has read Peter's book, and he was terrified of doing presentations because he had had a, a terribly anxiety-creating situation years ago, and that was the last time he had given a presentation. And he had been asked to do one for in front of 300 people, and he was completely beside himself. But he had read the book and I said, okay, so, so go back to the book, Joe. What's the one thing you remember taking away that is the secret that, that improv really is about? And he goes, oh my God, it's preparation. Exactly. I said, you write that thing down, you prepare it, you practice it, you get it, you think about it, you work on it, open your brain, you bring all this stuff in. When you get ready to walk on stage and do that, make sure you throw it away. It's exactly what he did. He had a standing ovation. He had him. He had him within the first ten seconds when he walked on stage. He had a big picture of his head, and he said, um, "This is my newest uh, uh, headshot, professional headshot." My daughter took one look at it and said, "Daddy, your head is really big." The <laughs> 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 whole eye, and he had him. And it was just brilliant. And he's on top of the world right now. That just happened yesterday because of your book. Cool. And that, and that whole um, that whole philosophy. That's but, a pretty cool story. The, yeah. the philosophy that we don't make stuff up and we just wing it just blows people's minds. Yeah, that we don't. They, they think we're just coming here with, you know, mm -hmm. pulling stuff out of our backside. And it's, it's just the opposite. It's like we over prepare. <laughs> but then when we walk into the room, it's about it's, it's not about me, the presenter. It's about the audience and the audience experience. And the more that we can focus on the audience and make sure that they're engaged and we're, we're having a good time with them, and they're getting the points across, that's perfect. But when I make it too much about myself, then I become kind of robotic and scripted. And, and that's, they can, most, most audiences can see right through that. And that's when you lose them to the dreaded conference prayer. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. The conference prayer. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because when you've done that much preparation, you don't have to think about yourself anymore. You're not even a part of it. Now you're just in. You're inside the audience. You are connected to them and how they're responding, what they need from what the situation is about. Exactly what you said. You totally agree. I did a presentation last night for an association of women in technology, and it was on off script. And it's the first time I'd done it in, in probably a couple months because of the holidays and uh, started the new year. So it was from 6 to 7.30. I got to my office about 1 in the wow. afternoon. And I just worked on it the whole time I was there. And it got, I went, okay, come on, Pete, you know this, but 
I started thinking about what questions they could ask, what responses could they have. I had to remember these were technology folks, so I need I I, I need to be a little bit more um, definitive in the directions I give them because I forgot that one piece. And in one of the exercises, uh, someone said the grammar police in her head was going crazy on one of these exercises that we did. You don't end a sentence in a preposition. How can I start a sentence with the, and it was just like, okay, I, that one slipped my mind, but it was just, that's kind of what, what we did, what I do. And people find that weird because, but you're an improviser. It's like, there's a, 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 a there's some disinformation being spread around. I think it goes to like, or it's, it's that preparation, right? That, that you've done that you've, uh, had some time to think about it you're you're reacting but you've had time you've had practice right just like when a basketball player goes to shoot a basket they've had all that time practicing shooting a basket that when it's a game time and they make that shot it's just it's just a body reacting to the situation and that's similar to what what you're doing right you're you're prepping that whole time thinking about what questions you're going to get what type of content you're going to cover and then by the time it's showtime you're you're just kind of performing right not thinking about it much absolutely it's all muscle memory nick that's exactly right you're building muscle just like playing golf or any kind of a sport you build the muscle memory so when you're in the moment the passion is driving the connection that you have you've built the muscle it's working for you the knowledge the experience the points everything in there and it allows you to improvise on the spot you can adjust very easily to the people that you're with or the audience that you're talking with or speaking to and uh, it, it makes all the difference. That is the secret sauce. It really is the improv piece. Someone asked Roxanne a question about the Tigger song and her client. <laughs> we'll leave it up to John. Are you going to hey, sing Roxanne, the song? I hear there's a really neat story about one of your clients and a Tigger song. I don't know. Well, how did you hear about that, John? Yeah. Thanks so Would you much. like to share that with us? Oh, sure, I will. <laughs> Great. <laughs> So um, Tigger has become uh, an icon to some degree, as, or maybe just my spirit animal mm -hmm. who follows me around everywhere. So I was working with a, with a group, a large group. And uh, when I facilitate these, these programs, I usually have a desk with all the, you know, the toys and stuff that I use. And so now I put Tigger right in the middle next to the Tibetan singing bowl. So in the introduction, I introduced Tigger, I introduced the Tibetan singing bowl because it's light and it's fun and it throws people off guard, which I want to do. I want to get their brains opened up. So um, as we went through the program, I had introduced Tigger and I said, you'll see him at your table. He likes to visit the different tables, listen to the conversation and be part of the team. He learns as he goes and he'll occasionally offer a thought or a reminiscence <laughs> for a story. So we're making this whole thing about, and, and everybody's going, she's either crazy or she's on to something here. You can just see the wheels turn, right? So um, we go about the day. Tigger makes his appearances all the way around. And every now and then, when I step by a table, he'll go, woo-hoo-hoo, right? <laughs> Everybody laughs. Okay. So then what happens is people start going, wait a minute, Tigger hasn't been to our table yet. And they go get him and bring him back over. So we had a break for lunch and we came back. And one of the participants came up to me and she said, Roxanne, do you know the Tigger song? And I, with embarrassment, said, I should, but I do not know the Tigger song. Do you? She said, yes, I sure do. And I said, <laughs> would you do it? Absolutely. 
<laughs> These are business people in a huge regulated industry, in a huge global company, in a room. And this, this wonderful, uh, incredibly uh, cool, vivacious, successful executive stands up in front of this group and sings the Tigger song and does the dance. And it's a whole thing. And one of the other colleagues caught it on video. <laughs> so you can hear that sent out. What that was, was completely what we've been talking about, is improv. Yeah. It's like you've got to capture the minds. You've got to capture their hearts. You have to inject energy and link it back, right, to the subject that you're talking about. Tigger exemplifies leadership. He's only one Tigger, right? And he's always there to bring joy to others, to help others, to listen, to empathize, to, to, to be compassionate. All those things that lead into the superpower skill that is leadership. I'm changing all the vocabulary around this. I know a few people in the universe who are doing the same. We no longer use the word soft skills for any of this. They are power skills. They're the hardest ones in the world to learn. And when you do, that's when you really make a difference. So that's the Tigger, one of the Tigger stories. There's a lot of his. Yeah. Great. It's an improv, it's an improv that she brought in to the classroom and then just kept letting Tigger be the, the focal point of going off script mm -hmm. exactly exactly and the stories that she has told me it's amazing what that little stuffed animal has done to adults business people has taken away that angst of i gotta come to and sit in this class and listen to her or listen to me or listen to any of us to a, a fun enjoyable playful environment and that's what improv is improv is about play and that's something that we were told we can't do in business Right. It's or, real serious play is what it is. <laughs> right. or, or can we? Yeah, right. Right. I like that you brought that up, Peter. Um, you know, I when I first graduated high school, I worked in the blue collar industry, right? I worked in restaurants and joking around and, and having fun is just part of that type of work. Uh, and then when you go to the business environment, that's not necessarily there, right? It's it, at times it feels like it's not okay to be funny. Right. It's it's not OK to have a sense of humor. You got to stand up there and read off a PowerPoint slide. And that's, you know, yeah. for me, that's not the way I am. I like I like to have fun. So, um, you know, whether whether, you know, it's Brian throwing arrows at people um, or, or giving John a hard time about <laughs> about the job he's doing. Um, you know, th those are things that I feel like, uh, you know, help build team. Uh, you know, build teams. So see, there's the arrow right there. <laughs> help build teams. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. When you can laugh with people, I mean, I, I'm Nick, I'm Greek American. I've been in a restaurant since I was 12 years old. And what I found out is if I can make people laugh, they'll give me more tips <laughs> because I was entertaining them. And, and that's what that, I mean, I don't know, you know, and, and in a CPA world where everybody's buttoned up so tight, the blood pressure is a thousand over 70. Uh, the more that we can bring a human into, into the office space, creates a, a, a solid, more willing to work together team. And if we can get them to put their egos aside and work together as one, not I'm the leader, you guys, you know, I, and, and I'm going to ask you to give me some ideas, but by the way, I've already figured it out and not going to take any of your ideas. And you know what you call that person? An ask hole. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's in the book too, by the way. <laughs> 
Well, I think it's a nice segue for me to ask another question. Um, <laughs> very nicely done. I'll be here. I'll be here all week, folks. Uh, so, I, I had a thought. Actually, I, I was um, obviously I hadn't met either of you uh, prior to this conversation. So I, I did went back to a few of the the past lead.exe podcasts where where you had uh, had joined us, and um, this is another question that I originally grabbed from one of the conversations with Peter, but I think it's a great one um, for Roxanne to chime in on as well, since we've been talking a little bit about, uh, you know, you had that example, that that great story about the uh, the client you were working with who, who gave the wonderful presentation, even though they were a little unsure of themselves, this idea of, of uh, not soft skills, but power skills. So Peter, you mentioned it in a previous podcast, um, the, I think it was one of the earlier improv classes or something you had done. And you said, you know, I need to go home and, and study the seventies, something about you forgetting sometimes in the seventies. We'll talk about that maybe off, off air, uh, <laughs> but, but that being really well prepared um, is what led you and, and the others in your class to actually being, you know, funny at that particular class or in that experience. Um, so with that in mind, you know, what would you say to a junior leader or especially maybe even, you know, not even just junior, but literally a younger person who may not have all that experience under their belt, may not have had the time to build those skills. Maybe they're in a new leadership position and, and they're dealing with some imposter syndrome um, or they haven't had time to, to fully develop those power skills um, that, that they might want to. What would be an advice for somebody and how might you leverage some of these improv skills um, to help encourage them or, or help them succeed? I think the first thing they need to do is realize if they're in a very technical environment, um, that they need to go out and learn uh, emotional intelligence. They need to build up their emotional intelligence. They need to learn how to communicate better. They need to have empathy. And, and to be honest with you, and I'm, just, I'm not just saying this, but find an improv workshop. Find, find an improv class for five or six weeks and take that class and it's almost guaranteed after after you get past that fear of the first class, there's something there's something here. And I know a lot of people who have taken improv workshops not to be on stage at a theater. Actually, I've had two co coaches who their boss said, I want you to go find uh, an improv coach to help you with presentations, help you with your speaking, help you with, you know, the, some of these skills that you're technically sound, but as a leader, you need to build up on. So it's, it's taking the time to invest in yourself and find these classes, these, these uh, courses, these workshops that take you completely out of your comfort zone, but accept that and, and lean into that fear, as we say in improv, and, and, and work at becoming a better leader. Uh, a lot of times back in our day days, uh, we learned from our bosses. And that wasn't really the great leadership skills. I, I've had one boss in my entire life that I've learned a lot from. Her name, it's my other, my, the first Roxanne in my life, Roxanne Alfayez, when I worked at Victoria's Secret. And um, everybody else, she, there was nobody quite like her. And she had empathy. She, she had compassion. She, she set you straight when you were wrong. But those, those skills that are lacking today in a lot of our leaders, go invest. It's not a cost. It's not a cost. It's an investment into your career. What do you think there, second Roxanne number two? 
I really don't know how to think about that. <laughs> number two in your programs, number one in your hearts. That's <laughs> wow. wow. Well, keep him on. <laughs> keep digging, guys. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, uh, what was the question? What is what would I say? What do I say? Uh, people younger in their careers. Um, absolutely everything you you've just talked about, Peter. That's it's so important, and um, I can speak to it directly. I came. My original career was in the performing arts, so I had a lot of that, and I didn't even know what I was getting. I didn't know I was going to end up in business and doing what I do or have done over the years and do now. But I'll tell you, well, what a foundation that was to help through. The other thing that, that I would add to that, it's really a part of all of it. It's kind of inherent in everything that Peter's talking about, is as soon as you feel um, the ability to do this, to reflect upon who you are, what you really care about, what makes you excited, what are you interested in? And I think we're seeing a lot more of this today. People are feeling a lot freer, especially since pandemic, I mean, people are reflecting on all of this of, of all ages and all stages of life. But I think this is so critically important so that when you are when you are in business, that knowing who you are, what you're passionate about and applying that energy to the job that you are doing creates success going forward, creates the experiences and the stories that you will then start telling and continue to tell as you go along to help others learn from your from what you've been learning from and your experience. So it always comes back to that for me is um, get to know this first, know this, and you're, you're in, we're all born with improv skills, just like we're all born well with improv, we develop the skills and it's the same with leadership, right? But we don't know that until we really begin to know who we are, what we, where our lanes are, where we can apply our power skills, where we need to learn more there, then, what happens is you are so enthusiastic, so excited, you're improving your way almost through every day while following whatever rules you need to in the environment that you're in, but that's noticed. Mm. It's noticed. That's how we move through our careers. That's how we get promoted. That's how we find out things that we're not good at, things that we are the best in the world. So I would say, pay attention to that stuff. And if you find something you love, go figure out how to do more of that. Mm-hmm. I think another way of putting that is embrace your quirkiness. Exactly. We all have quirkiness. Some more than others. But I, I remember my days at Price Waterhouse. You had to wear a blue blue suit, white shirt, red tie, shine shoes, and look like a freaking cult. <laughs> and army. And and I drove I drove people crazy within that firm because I I, I was different. And I wanted to be different. And I didn't want, I, I remember first time I grew a beard. And I, you would have thought I told a client. <laughs> but what I've learned is leaders, the best leaders take a chance. They stand out. They do something different. They don't follow everybody else. And they may run up against a few walls in that process, but they're also setting a tone for themselves and maybe even for the organization. And I think we see this more today than we have in the past is that individualism to bring into the office, into the work, the work environment is, is priceless. 
and, and, you know, you can't put a square peg in a round hole, but you can put that square peg in another place in the organization that they can be fully functional and provide value to it. Maybe we just put them in the wrong spot, but mm -hmm. let them be who they are. Yeah. Awesome answers. And I, I, I think with that, um, you know, we, we've got to do our uh, 60 second leadership hack from from each of you. So as people are listening, if, if they want to get your 60 second leadership hack, um, go ahead and go to our website. We'll put the information in show notes to join our leadership hacking crew. But um, who would like to go first? I'll be happy to because I know if okay. these ladies go first anyway, so I might as well just jump right in. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and uh, share a timer here. If you want access to Peter and Roxanne's 60-second leadership hack, then you're going to want to head on over to our website. That is pages.leadexe.com forward slash join. And for those of you joining us on YouTube, we'll just go ahead and link it down in the description. But if you want to get access to their 60-second leadership hack, go ahead, join our leadership hacking crew, and not only will you get access to Peter and Roxanne's 60-second leadership hack, but you'll get also get access to all of our previous guest leadership hack. Uh, we look forward to having you aboard and joining our crew. He was milking it right down to that zero. Right just down to the end. Pacing chains. Oh, oh, right. Just like, I'm getting every second of that clock. That's oh, right, right. <laughs> I am a professional at this. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that we're, we're coming up to the, the end of our time here. It always feels like we need, we need more time. Um, <laughs> be on the lookout. If anyone's listening, I'm, I'm going to go through outtakes. I, I'm sure we have some from when we were attempting to start recording this thing. That'll, that'll make for some, some good content. Um, so Peter... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Peter, Roxanne, if people are looking for you, uh, where can they find you? Where can they get a hold of you? Um, books, websites, anything? Yeah, website is, is uh, www.prolaureate.com. You can go right there. You can get a hold of me through there. And there's tons of information. And it's in the process of also being updated. So jump in. Thanks, Nick. Uh, you can find me um, on my website, www.petermargaritas.com. And the last name is spelled M-A-R-G-A-R-I-T-I-S. Like an inflammation, but pronounced like a cocktail. You, you, can, also <laughs> you can also find me on LinkedIn. Uh, uh, and you can find me on Amazon. Um, three books there. Improv is no joke. Take it no matter numbers and off script. Oh, I'm on LinkedIn too. Yeah. And Amazon. Perfect. And Amazon. <laughs> Thanks. We'll be sure to uh, link everything in the show notes for, for our listeners. And uh, Peter, Roxanne, thanks for, for joining us today. It's a blast as always. And we'll, we'll have to get together and, and do this again. Live. We need to be live and in person the next time. No kidding. Hey, I'm still it. down for it. I've, I'm more than happy to go to Cleveland. So let's book a <laughs> theater and maybe all of us will just be there. Who knows? <laughs> Tell you what, Cleveland or Columbus, we've got a great little theater in Columbus too, and there's a couple here in Cleveland we can use. So yeah, well, we'll make it happen. That would just be so much fun, live yeah. and on stage. <laughs> Any, anywhere and there's an available, anywhere there's an available outlet to plug in a margarita machine, which I will gladly invest in. I'll bring it. I'll set it up. I'll have it ready, Brian. <laughs> Make us work margaritas for everybody. <laughs> Tigger can't wait. <laughs> That's awesome. We'll all be singing the Tigger song. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks, both All of right, you then. so much. It's always Peter, such a pleasure. Peter, thank, thank you, guys. You. Appreciate Thanks it. So much. Nice. Great seeing you. Nice meeting you, John. Likewise. Thank you.